0: Well, hello, everyone. I'm Sally Feldman, and I'm a grandmother. When I first discovered that my daughter was pregnant a couple of years ago, I began to wonder what it would all mean. What would grandmothers actually do? Would I be up to the task? What difference would it make to my own life? So I began to write my book, How to Be a Nearly Perfect Grandmother, offering advice and stories for new grannies, and most of all, A celebration of grandmothers everywhere. And so today I'll be talking to three seasoned grandmothers and one brand new one. We'll discuss some of the joys and pitfalls. How often do we see the children? Is it okay to spoil them? Is our advice always welcome? And how have our lives changed? So I'll begin with Anna. Anna, since you have a very new first grandchild, little Felix, how did you feel when you first knew you were going to be a grandma?
1: Well, I was completely delighted, of course. I mean, how could I not be? Because it was what uh, my daughter Ruby wanted, so I was thrilled. And um, I, I suppose I'd been surrounded by other people who had become other female friends who'd become grandmothers, and and I thought, well, this is all very nice, but I don't, I don't want to get too sucked into this. And I refer to my own mother who who really uh, although she obviously loved my daughter, was not an engaged grandmother at all. And I thought, well, I think I'll be like that, please, you know. <laughs> and then of course the little creature comes along and you fall in love and and you, you know, you want to be involved, I think. So I mean that's how I feel anyway. Um, I, I'd hate to think that I could be excluded from his life, but I don't have to answer all any of the other difficult questions you put because he's partially young. He's only six months old. He's far too young. So sort of, have become somebody you would ask those questions about. So I see him once a week and um, at least once a week, but I, but he lives on the other side of town. So it's a long way. It's actually a very long, complicated journey to get to him. But she sometimes brings him up to see me. And then, you know, we meet in town sometimes and so on, but I definitely see him once a week. And, and, and she's very clear that this is about me getting to know him. And, and she's, Conditioning me. This is my induction into uh, <laughs> uh, grandmother duties because only if I get to know him really well by putting him my way each week will I become the kind of grandmother that I need to be. Well, that's all fine. I love it. And actually, I will say for me at the moment, the best thing about it is spending time with my daughter.
2: I know um, that's going
1: to last because she's going to go back to work. But it's mm-hmm. been wonderful. It's changed the relationship between us, it's enriched it, it's just glorious and much, you know, so that's a, a huge plus for me.
0: Anna's grandson, Felix, is the son of Ruby, her daughter. Um, Do you feel differently if the baby is the baby of your daughter or your son? Tess, you've got both. What do you
2: think? Yes, I have. I don't think I do. It's difficult to say because I live in a flat below my daughter and her three boys, I know my granddaughter, who's my son's daughter, much less well, but I'm getting to know her because I have her and Sonny, who are almost the same age, I have them once a week on a Wednesday. So I'm getting to know her much better.
0: Two Um,
2: babies every week together. Carolyn,
0: you've got three and you're quite used to having your, your granddaughters visiting, am I right? And is it different with one set or the other set? Or do they always feel at home at your place?
3: Yes, I've got three grand and I'm at the very easy stage now. I've got two of them downstairs at this very moment because it's half term. So they're age 13 and the other is eight who's here today. And I've got a 10 year old. They're all girls. And. Uh, Just to briefly say a little bit about um, the early days, all my granddaughters are products of my sons. I haven't got a daughter with any children. So um, what I'm um, really about to say is the moments of conflict, which I had to avert conflict, and I think I did successfully avert conflict, were basically when my daughter-in-law and my son's child was about nine months. And from nine months to about three and a half, we had total care from seven till seven, two days a week. And I say we because my husband helped as well, but I was the one who went over there and then did all the ferrying around. And I can honestly say there were no real conflicts. Everything was hunky-dory and very sweet except when it came to the new mania for baby-led weaning. And those of you who haven't come to that yet, I'm just warning you, if you were used to having a child who just gobbled up their food as you gave it to them when they went on to solids and everything was just straightforward, baby-led weaning, you can't give them anything on a spoon. It has to be that they can grab it and feed themselves and that's fine if the baby grabs it and feeds itself that's wonderful makes a terrible mess but we can clear that up but it's if they just throw it around and you're forever picking up bits of food that should have been eaten so that's my big moment of conflict that I prevented it because I had to hold my tongue and just because I thought well it's only I was only there one day a week for the feeding time. And um I just had to be very bold and go with it, even though the baby wouldn't have been able to notify the mum if I had disobeyed. But I thought I'll go with it. And I just kept storm.
0: Disobeying so, is a big thing, isn't it, for most of us. So Maria, you've got five grandchildren.
4: I have grandchildren, they have four grandsons and a granddaughter.
0: And how old are they?
4: Well, the eldest is twenty one. The other one is 19, going to be 20. And then you have the 14-year-old, Sebastian. And then you have Ariana, who is nine. And Leo is five.
0: And do you see them all? And how often do you see them?
4: I don't see them as often as I'd like to, because my daughters and my son, they tend not to ask me unless they're stuck. When Although, problems when they're in problems. and I do
0: know go. your daughter, and mm-hmm. she told me that in the early years she couldn't have managed unless you were there yes. looking mm-hmm. after Sebastian. Yes. so did, did you feel obliged to look after him or you wanted? I, to
4: help I just loved doing it. I'm very fond of all of them. I have fun with all of them.
0: So you're it's all fun. engaged grandmothers, mm-hmm. but there seems to be quite a debate now. If yeah. you are looking after the children, a lot of the time. Tests, you get two twice a week. Carolyn, you used to have them fully two days a week. This is saintly. Would any of you expect to be paid to look after them?
4: No, I wouldn't expect that at all.
0: No, I wouldn't.
3: wouldn't.
4: No. Do
0: you feel appreciated,
4: Maria? I do, very much so. (laughs) They make me feel that way.
0: To go back to the, what Carolyn was saying about the difficulty of getting used to the new way of feeding, which you do get used to it. But one of the things I discovered was that anything that we thought we knew was wrong. Views about which way the baby should sleep. So how has it changed, do you think?
2: Yes, I think the parents use social media much more for their tips and so on. Whereas in my generation, it was Penelope. Penelope Leach. Yes. Belay of Leech, that's right. And for my mother's generation, it was Spock. But I think things have definitely, definitely changed. Although, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, just getting on with the kids is the most important thing, isn't it, really? (laughs) Yes.
1: Seems to be a lot more science now than there was. I mean, I never, there was never no science about bringing up babies when I was bringing up my daughter. I probably didn't pay attention to the, Penelope leeches of this world, but uh, but no, but I'm told now that there's, there there are these rules that you have to follow. I mean, not that I have to follow, but that are followed. It's confession time. Have any of you actually
0: broken the rules of the parents? Sometimes, yes. What did you do?
4: <laughs> well, it's like they wanted to stay up a little bit longer, uh, watching yeah. a program, or you know, and then they'll have the stalling of me reading to them as well or are doing counting and things like that while they're in bed so it keeps them awake it's a way of keeping them alert and awake still by getting me to do things. Some
0: grandmothers regard it as their birthright their absolute right to spoil the grandchildren. I
2: I do do. I do I think that's what grandparents are for actually to offer some sort of outlet from all, all the rules and everything that parents have to have. I mean, parents have to have rules, don't they? Because they have them day in, day out. Yes. Because I think grandparents can definitely have their own rules.
0: <laughs> Caroline, have you ever broken any parents' rules? Tess said, yes, absolutely, I spoil and uh, break the rules a bit. Maria breaks the rules a bit, but you don't yes. sound very extreme. Carolyn, how do you feel about it?
3: Well, no, I don't break the rules, certainly not dietary ones, because I think it would be disrespectful when they've put so much effort into it I did find it hard as I think Anna was saying having been trained as a midwife and so I nursed young children we were trained all those years ago to put them on their fronts yeah to go to sleep and they did sleep and these poor parents who have to put them on their back because the research shows that the babies who suffer infant death syndrome, cot deaths, all of them were found on their fronts. So once you've heard that, there's no way you can put your baby anything other than on their back to go to sleep. But I feel very sorry for them because I'm sure life was easier when babies were put on their front or swaddled. Those uh, very young babies, they slept much better. But as for breaking rules, I must tell you that my mother-in-law who I loved, and she was a primary school teacher, in fact, a primary school head. We used to go over about once every three weeks with the three children at various ages. And unbeknown to me, just before they came home, they were given chocolates. So I was busy packing the car up. They were eating these. Well, I mean, I never said to her, don't give them chocolates, because I thought it would, you know, you don't have to say that. But she'd give them the chocolates, they'd eat them as they got into the car and then be sick on the way home. So it was not a a very nice thing to happen. But I never said anything because she was so sweet in every way. The children obviously didn't mind being sick because they loved the chocolates. So it was one of those forgotten stories.
0: (laughs) Well, we talked just now about how things have changed and most things we know are wrong. But... Do you try to give advice to your child? And you've got a new one. You've just remembered what it was like having your own. How much advice do you give her?
1: Absolutely none. <laughs> it would be yeah, I mean, it would be really counterproductive. I mean, occasionally I'll try to <laughs> put in a, a few things like um, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can, you know, make it not seem to apply to Felix, but just be a general thing about how. Whenever a child whimpers, it doesn't need to be picked up immediately.
0: Ah, <laughs> that. <I bet.
1: laughs> we'll all recognise that syndrome. But, you know, if I put it into advice, I mean, not that, you know, she has always been very kind of respectful and caring about me, so it's not anything to do with a tricky relationship. It's just that I I just know that advice from me, unless she asked for it directly, would be completely
2: yeah. hopeless. And they do, and and actually... Billy's asked me for advice about schools and things like that. She just wants someone else to talk it things through with. And I think that it, you can really be quite a useful sounding board in that sort of way.
0: Maria, I think we are learning so much and we're. I think Everybody, parents and grandparents, tend to be much more aware of all the things that could happen. But there seems to be this new thing, I don't know if you've heard about it, it's intensive parenting. And it's when the parents put the child first in every way, everything they do has to be focused on the child, educating the child, protecting the child. And there's research that shows this has been sort of inherited by grandparents who used to just work by instinct, really, as we all have done to some extent. Have you noticed a change, Maria? Because yours are very wide apart in ages.
4: Yes. Um, The thing is, the way I was brought up, I was expecting to at least hope that they would have what I had. I enjoyed growing up. I had fun. And as far as schooling and education is concerned, our family are very much... (laughs) engrossed in education so that's something that we've inherited no mind educating
0: them and helping with homework
4: no they've been pretty good and even when my children were growing up as well Darcy in particular I didn't have any problems she just got on with her school work
0: I think you were very lucky
4: so um, yes, she... a, lot
0: of, a lot of grandparents complain, and I've met a few who do that. It's not as easy as it used to be because children could run wild; they could go to the woods by themselves, they could walk to school by themselves. <laughs> they had a lot more freedom, and now we worry about. Them. Do you worry about them, Maria?
4: I worry about them here because what I had, I worry about the people who they come in contact with. Even people who are meant to be looking after them, I wonder if they do what I do. And that that was always my concern. And so I was always able, when I get asked, I'd make the effort because I don't feel content that I can trust everyone. And that's the problem. So I need to make sure that that's the problem. I make sure I am there to look after them the way I think they should be looked after to make sure they're safe
0: right
2: so yeah, you do follow your
4: yes.
2: yes
0: do you ever feel protective
2: yeah, well I, yes and protective of my son and my daughter too really um finding nurseries for example and child minders is really difficult and you know you're passing over your precious bundle to people that you don't really know and i think i probably feel that more as a grandparent than i did as a parent I mean, I went back to work when the kids were sort of, you know, five or six months. So, you know, and they went to nurseries and childminders. But I do worry more now, I think.
0: You and I are the same generation, and most of us probably are, in this Zoom room. And we're, you know, the feminist generation. We were the baby boomer feminist generation. And we did everything, and we went to work, and we got... Everything together, but I've noticed an awful lot of people now who have grandchildren are far more passionate about them, far more wanting to spend every every moment with them. Almost as if they want to make up for the freedom we had as pioneering women. Does anybody feel that you are kind of a better or a more engaged grandmother than you were mother? Yes, uh, um,
4: I do in a way yeah. because. Maybe. Yes, because I was in the depth of work then as a parent. I had three children full time yeah. job with my children. And wow. it was you were a nurse. Yes. So it was pretty intense.
0: And Tess, you just said you went back to work very quickly and you were working full time. And now here you are living in the same house as your children. That's true.
2: Well, I'm not sure I'm making up for it because they were always my absolute priority. And I can remember saying that to people. It was always, you know, that was the thing that I most, you know, my in terms of my identity, being a mum was, was the most important thing. But on the other hand, yes, I just had more time, I guess, uh, much more time. And, and I do think it's easier being a grandparent than a parent. I think it's much easier. Carolyn, how about you?
3: Yes, I think it's easier being a grandparent. I used to hate when I did go back to work, albeit part-time, I hated leaving them anywhere. I just hated it. So I was lucky that my mother came over and helped when they were able to go to nursery and and Mm -hmm. school. So I was able to go back to work um, more or less half-time then. And I was very grateful for that. And she was very strict with them, much stricter than I was, because she was a strict mother, and I actually I think they benefited from it because they were not frightened exactly, but they were a little bit in awe of what she might say or do. She would never smack them, but she would be very stern. And um, so I think they benefited a lot from that, and they adored her. So it, I think it's good to have experience of different generations. It's yeah. got to be good for the children to see their grandparents mm. a lot.
0: Well, Anna, you were back at work quite quickly after Ruby was born, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I, I was actually re- well ready to go back and start doing some work when she was about three months old. And and um, not because I didn't love her to pieces, but because that was, you know, what I wanted to do. But, but actually, I, I do resist this idea that we got it all wrong and we can make up for it now. It's not like that. You know, there are different kinds of grandparenting. I'm kind of a benign neglect um, advocate. <laughs> And I think that my daughter is a great advocate in her own self as a product of benign neglect, you know, not too much intensive parenting, please. And But it's yeah. it's fun yeah. being a grandparent, or at least I think it will be, because you can give them back at the end of the day, you know, so you can be thoroughly involved in it's And we do know more. We are wiser, of course, you know, and... and uh, that that's there's also very nice to have that perspective from your own childhood and also thinking about your own mother as a grandmother to your children and all that mm. so We're wiser. That that's good but um the idea that somehow you know uh, because we were feminists pushing out the envelope back then somehow we you know mm. we've, we've got to make up for it now i, I just know it's different and, and the worst thing you can do for a child is over parent them and over be over anxious about them and you know, even today, when maybe the environment is more um, more fraught with, with with danger, but nevertheless, you know, things generally work out all right. I'll ask you <laughs> you do it all, now. you know, chill out a bit. I know with Anna, it's a, it's
0: a fairly new experience now, which is lovely. But all of you, in what way do you feel your life has been changed? Things that you do, the time you spend. What has actually changed since you started to have these grandchildren,
2: Tess? Well, I just love the conversations I have with them. I absolutely love it. And I remember this about when my own kids were little, there is a sensuality about having, you know, the sort of like the cuddles and, and just the, the proximity, you know, curling up on a sofa with them, and that sort of stuff. That's very special, actually. And I, I cannot say how much I, I, I just love having them around for that reason.
0: It, it is lovely to watch, but you're somebody I've known for forever, it seems, and you've always worked passionately with everything you've done and lots of things.
4: It's mm-hmm. <laughs> quite different
0: now though, isn't it, with well, taking those two babies once a week and yeah. seeing Do you feel you've given up anything valuable?
2: No. No, absolutely not. I mean, it, of course, it's, it's coinciding with really retiring as well. I mean, it all happened at the right time. I didn't have grandchildren when I was still working, um, really, just bits and pieces. But so now, in some ways, they're almost too important, really.
0: I mean, you obviously spent a lot of time when they were little looking after them and they visit your house happily. But what has changed for you? Because you've always been a very busy woman as well. Carolyn.
3: Yes, no, I think I'm at the very easy stage now. I think it was hard when they were small under three, let's say when you're you're just worried about safety all the time wherever you are, you've got to plan ahead and think about it now. it's very rewarding, so enriching. you know, I can ask what their favorite subject is at school and we can talk about things and we can do quizzes and it's just so rewarding to to be there on an intellectual level, but they know that I care. You know, no matter what they do, I'll always be there. So, for a while. <laughs> for <laughs> and, I know when was
0: and, uh, you used to visit a lot. Did your children, the grandchildren, come to visit you a lot?
4: Because of the distance, not really. Um, I was wondering the visiting mostly, because mum and dad, they're always working. So they would have to come you know, take them to me.
0: Well, I was very intrigued by, you know, Vanessa Feltz, a funny presenter person. She was, a couple of years ago, she was elected... Um, in some organization, grandmother of the year, passionate grandmother, takes time off on school holidays to look after the children. And then she was outraged to learn from a, a Jewish survey that Jewish adults no longer visit their grandparents very often. And she said oh. they should, they should be made to visit, they should visit their grandparents at least once a week, and that's not enough, she said. And then oh. Recently, I read this amazing ruling in Italy where there'd been a, a, a tussle between some parents and grandparents in uh, Milan about how much the children, how much access the grandparents had. And the Italian Supreme Court has ruled that children must not be forced to visit their grandparents.
4: Right. Oh. <laughs> they shouldn't. There are two spectrums. Where do you sit on that, Maria? It's, it's difficult. I mean, Because of the proximity of where I live to the rest of them, I'm happy to visit them and spend time with them, spend days with them if I need to.
0: But they should be able to choose. What do you think, Marilyn? What did you make of Vanessa Feltz and the Supreme Court of Italy?
3: Yes, I think that's a bit high-handed of them. um, And I'm quite surprised that Italy, of all places, which is so family yeah. send everything on the mama and the family. Um, I'm quite surprised by that. And I think uh, the state should keep out of it, really.
2: No, I was just going to say, I I, I hate the idea that they were made to visit me. I hate yeah. it. I mean, and I, and I don't expect it when they're, when they're teenagers, you know. I mean, they might occasionally, but I wouldn't expect the kind of involvement that I have now. I just wouldn't expect it at all. On the other hand, you see, I didn't ever have grandparents myself. They all died before I was born. So the only person that I really can model anything on is my own mother. And she was a great grandmother. She's a much better grandmother than she was a mother. In our family, I mean, my husband has two
0: grown-up grandsons who visit rarely, let us say. It's not very often, and they don't feel obliged to. And it's fair that one of them lives in America, but even then he didn't visit. Whereas when we were growing up, We weren't forced to. It was just natural. We saw my grandpa every single week, all of us. It was just what you did. And it is cultures, maybe it is families, but it's something that people do without considering, I think. I want to get back to spoiling because I was very intrigued that Freud once said, the reason that grandparents and grandchildren get on so well is that they're united by a common enemy and the common enemy is the parents. And that's why so many grandparents tend to secretly break the rules or conspire with the child to do something they shouldn't do, even if it is just letting them stay up late or letting them have that last Kit Kat. Does it make sense to you that Freud's view that somehow we have a special bond with the grandchildren?
2: Yes. The other day I had an incident actually, which absolutely is an example of of what Freud was saying. The seven-year-old said to me, Grandma, I can't do that because mummy really won't like it. And I have to admit that I said, don't worry, I can deal with her. She's my (laughs) daughter. I can deal with her.
0: Thank you so much for being such generous contributors. It's really helpful to me and lovely to hear from all of you. Although you you all seem to have happy, trouble-free grandparenting, which is a good thing to hear. Thank you, everyone.